Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Environmental Social Justice. I'm your host, Wendy Nystrom. And today's special guest, we have Allie Gold Roberts. She is with Ceres, it's a 501c3 based in Boston. But Allie is the Senior Director of the State Policy Program. So welcome to the show, Allie. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being here. Well, thank you for coming because one of the things that is very important that you do as work is the scoping plan, specifically with the state of California. Could you tell us very, very simply what a California scoping plan is? Yeah, and let me, you know, step it back. I'll break it down into parts and you're welcome to interrupt me at any time. But sure the California scoping plan really started as a response to 2006 when uh, the legislature in California passed the Global Warming Solutions Act, also known as AB 32, which a lot of people know. And it set a statewide target to reduce greenhouse gas emissions 30 percent by 2030. And it also required CARB, and we'll talk a little bit who CARB is, the California Air Resources Board, to prepare a climate change scoping plan and convene an environmental justice advisory committee to inform essentially how are we going to get to that, that goal? How are we going to reach 30% emissions reductions by 2030. Now, the plan is a sweeping document that is actually put together every five years. So it's not just one, there are multiple plans because you can't make one plan and know that that's gonna get us all the way to 2030. Technology, science, oh, yeah. everything is changing. Um, and these happen every five years. And the most recent one just came out in December of 2022 after two years of development and stakeholder input. So we have a new scoping plan that was just finalized at the end of last year. And it addresses recent legislation and direction from the Newsom administration to get to now carbon neutrality by 2045. So it's updated beyond that 30% by 2030. Now we're going towards carbon neutrality by 2045. And I'll just add one more thing that kind of helps set the stage. The plan has a variety of foci. One is natural climate solutions, green building infrastructure, transportation, and advancing the clean energy grid. So these are all components of how do we actually get to the emissions reductions. And what's really important is that it's not sector specific. So that's really unique to California and hugely important in, you know, how do we use all the tools in the toolbox to get to our goal? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's a lot of information for people to absorb. So just to, when we want to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions or reduce our carbon emissions or pollution, it's not just not driving your car. It's not just having a better building structure. It is a multitude of things coming together at once. Most important fact is you cannot have one silo. Everyone exactly. likes to have, oh, we're the environmental silo. We just do this. It's every industry, every department has to talk to each other and work together to get this done. And the scoping plan, as you said, is sweeping, constantly updating date. If we think about electric cars five years ago versus today, huge difference. Yes. And even in California, there was just news, I think yesterday or the day before, California EV sales are now 19% of all new auto sales in California. Yeah. That is ahead of what California Air Resources Board project, pro projected Excuse me for this year. So we're already ahead. And that's why we have to update these plans to you know, take into account the realities of the market, science, demand, you name it. And the reality is being, you know, we thought we were going to be here. We're actually there so we can even do better and push further and get it to be more aggressive. And again, you know, everyone's in this together. And we talked about social justice. Most people don't think that certain communities that are around more pollution, around more highways, these people will have lung damage. They will be sick. They will have asthma. When COVID hit, people in those communities got hit harder than everybody else. So this is the right thing to do. What you are doing is the right thing. 
And could you just take us through your work in particular with Ceres and how it's helping? Yeah, absolutely. So the California Air Resources Board is this really unique to California agency that essentially sets regulations for California on pollution. And all stakeholders, individuals, community members, businesses, NGOs, everybody has a role and a stake in, in helping set something that would be an you know, economy-wide carbon reduction plan. So of course, Ceres as a sustainability advocacy organization was one of many actors who involved in this process. And we really initially, especially because it's a two-year process, we spent a lot of time listening. And initially we really reached out to environmental justice groups who in the past um, have been concerned about how the plan had been structured that allowed certain um, communities to continue to still be, you know, high polluting areas and how could the plan be adjusted to better tackle um, pollution in those environmental justice communities and ensure that frontline communities are getting the greatest benefits and the greatest investment when it comes to prioritizing our work. So first we did just listening of what do people, what are people's concerns? What are people's needs? And of course, series, we work with the business community, companies and investors, some of the largest economic actors in California, and in ca some cases, some polluters too. So how are these companies thinking about uh, their footprint? How are they engaging their communities? For example, we have hospitals in our membership. How are those hospitals thinking about how they can serve communities who are at the front lines of wildfires, floods, drought? I mean, these are things that we are literally dealing with as we speak. So we did a lot of listening. And then we um, brought companies together to essentially give recommendations to carbon say listen the business community is here we want more ambition we want you to take into account all of the recommendations from the environmental justice community one of our roles we felt was lifting up those concerns and say hey business community is aligned with the ej community we need to do this work in concert which hasn't ha really happened and and was something that we really wanted to bring to the conversation we brought Many, you know, brands that people know and have in their homes like Unilever and Sierra Nevada Brewing, Salesforce, Logitech, Dignity Health, who's a hospital system, Patagonia, into the conversation who gave uh, feedback to CARB about what they can and should be doing. That's awesome. I mean, so many large corporations. I'm a huge fan of Sierra Nevada Brewing, and I've actually been to their um, plant in Chino, I think. It's Chico, in yep. Chico. And... Um, Fabulous organization, I have to say, and Patagonia is the leader. I mean, when it comes to any company out there that's being sustainable, they, they're they so far above the curve, they just lead the charge for everybody else and kind of give us a path of what they should do or what we should do to follow in their footsteps. Um, but you've talked about your four recommendations. I have them up. Would you mind if I just read them out and you can comment on what those yeah, are? Yeah, absolutely. So I did print this out because I can't memorize everything, folks. So prioritize direct emission reductions aligned with cuts of at least 40% by 2030. That's coming up soon. And 82% to 92% by 2045 to meet the state's climate goals. So that's your sweeping document, right? That's everything you're trying to push forward and get, get there. Are we on track, you think? You think we're getting there? We are not on track yet. And, and you'll remember uh, at the beginning of, of our time, I talked about the original AB 32 legislation said 30% by 2030. We're saying 45% by 20. So this is the latest climate science says we need to go faster and faster and faster. So that was obviously one of the recommendations that we need to be aligned with the urgency of the climate crisis. And I think certainly seeing what we're seeing in California these days, 
people are feeling the urgency of the climate crisis. So there's oh, there's yeah. alignment there. But that was one of the top recommendations for sure. And, yeah. And what you guys are doing is you're, you're not just talking, you're acting, you're doing, you're getting it done. So that's huge. I mean, enough talk people act. And then um, conducting a follow-up stringency uh, rulemaking process for the state's cap and trade program. If you could explain what that is real quick, what the cap and trade is so people understand. Yeah. So, you know, what's really um, important to note is that California is really on the leading edge of developing market-based mechanisms to cap emissions and essentially say that um, the economy can find where's the cheapest place to reduce those emissions, and then other places will still emit and buy allowances in order to continue to do that work. And increasingly over time, the limits will uh, you know, decrease and that then you would have to reduce emissions faster and faster. So the cap and trade program in particular um, allows, of course, some polluting to still happen until we ramp down over time. So yeah. environmental justice communities are probably in those communities where there's still that polluting that's still happening. So one of the pieces of feedback is how do we continue to utilize this program in a way that ensures that we're then going after emissions in the hardest hit communities. Yeah. And what's one of the big kind of recommendations that has come out of this process and will continue to happen is that there's the scoping plan that's done, but there are all these complementary rulemakings and policies that need to happen. And one of them is a rulemaking to address the design challenges with cap and trade to include how the allowances and offsets are utilized to ensure localized pollution reductions occur in those overburdened California communities. So that has yet to happen. That wasn't yeah. in the final, and that's a big area of focus for everybody. Well, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, some of these factories or pollution causing companies, they've been, they've been running for the past 30 years and they may not be able to afford to completely revamp everything to be renewable energy and clean. So they have to buy credits from someone else that is cleaner, that has that surplus of credits and they can buy it to offset their pollution. But as you said, it's gonna be brought down and brought down. So it is forcing people to be a little more cognizant of how much you are emitting. And again, it's for the benefit of everyone and their health, especially in communities around these plants. Um, and that's what you also said with prioritizing, this is number three, um, prioritize decarbonization pathways that maximize health benefits and reduce health burdens as driving down our emissions. That's pretty much what you just said, <laughs> talking about the benefits to society. And then the yeah, last one being- oh, oh, go ahead. Sorry to cut you off. I would just say though, the public health piece, you know, one of the great benefits, the co-benefits, right, of climate action is we're reducing emissions. Simultaneously, we should be improving public health. But one of the things we're saying here is public health should be a top factor in addition to emissions reductions. And this is where California is at the leading edge, but we're also seeing this at the federal level, at the state level, um, as in particular around transportation, because that's yeah. where we see a lot of um, pollution that results in high asthma rates. So thinking about public health is one of the key factors for the economic benefits, right? So if you could uh, um, do analysis that um, takes into account avoided um, missed days of work, from asthma attacks or from illnesses. Those are ways that you can put public health into economic terms that then allow everyone to kind of think about it in a context that lifts everybody up. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we there are quite a few missed days of work because people do get sick or overheated from high heat, with the people who work outside. It's a multifaceted issue. And then the last one is um, maintain a high level of fidelity to carbs commitments to racial equity, environmental justice, and a robust community engagement. So you just you just basically answered number four right there. <laughs> <laughs>
we're yes. all in this together. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, one of the things that is great is that California has had the environmental justice uh, lens and uh, priority since the beginning. There's certainly a need to continue to improve that, but there is an environmental justice advisory committee for CARB. And I think one of the things that we want to continue to ensure is that communities, frontline communities are engaged in the process, that we know that that takes time out of their busy schedules, that some people may have more than one job and showing up at hearings to testify is not necessarily their priority if they're trying to put food on the table for their families or get to work. Um, so thinking about how do we encourage engagement that's in communities that makes it really accessible, potentially even compensating people who are on these committees and councils mm -hmm. so that their time is valued like any other job. Um, so all of these things are continued priorities. Or when we're thinking about electric vehicles, should we make sure, which we're doing, incentivize the used EV market just as much as we're incentivizing the new vehicle markets because a lot of people can't afford a new vehicle. So all of these um, options, and there are so many more that I can't list in the, our short time together, but really keeping these things at our the front of our mind when we're developing policies like this. And also I think it, you know, from a social justice standpoint for people who are in communities that are most impacted, giving them a safe place to speak their mind where they don't have fear of retaliation or fear of um, someone, you know, working against them or saying you shouldn't be here. That's the, that's very important to make sure everyone feels included and valued. Absolutely. And I think the incentive of paying them to attend these committees beyond the committee is very important. That, that would be a game changer if that can happen. And, um, I know we have limited time today, so I'll be really quick, but, um, what are you guys, what is Siri still needing to do? What is it that, um, I know you guys are 501c3, so people donate. It's a good cause volunteers, activism, how can they help? Yeah, great question. I mean, first of all, you know, we want people to show up to go to hearings, to speak out, to support um, uh, community engagement and be able to highlight what are the challenges that they're seeing their own communities in, in, and, and be able to ensure that that's taken into account from a policymaking standpoint. For series, we um, are more of a grass tops organization than a grassroots organization. I wish, you know, we were uh, arm in arm in, in the streets. That's not usually our role. Uh, our role is really bringing companies into these conversations who, to be frank, sometimes think about climate action as a key part of their core business and others may not. We have to may do some convincing and really have them think about, OK, how do I use my political muscle, yeah. my clout? to advance climate action. So that's our sweet spot. Um, and as a 501c3, we are completely um, you know, supported by uh, foundations and individuals to do this work. Um, and in particular then, we're gonna be calling for greater ambition. So as I mentioned earlier, California Air Resources Board or CARB will be engaging in other rulemakings. And I know we're gonna talk more at another time about transportation, but there are a variety of rulemakings around transportation that are going to be nation leading yep. that then can be replicated across the country because California has special exemption in the Clean Air Act to, under Section 177. So other states can take California's rules and apply them to their own states. So what California does has a huge impact, not just because they're one of the largest economies in the world, but also because they are setting policies that then will be adopted by other states. So we're engaging to ensure California sets the bar and has high ambition and then make sure that we can replicate that across the country. 
You know, it's funny. When I first moved to California, people said with respect to lawmaking, what California does, the rest of the country follows. And I thought, well, that can't be true. No, it is, folks. It, it is, actually. <laughs> a lot of the California laws are carried over into other states. So that is pretty cool that you're leading this initiative to make it happen, to make people healthier, to make the world better. And it's all about making things better. I mean, we, we want clean air. We want to be able to breathe. And that's that's what we're doing. Yeah. That's it. Um, so I will I will leave on that. If you have any final thoughts you want for the group, uh, just let me know. And uh, I guess we'll leave it. We'll say goodbye. Thank you. And yeah, guys, thank you so much for having me. Of course. So um, and brief. I know you're super busy today. So thank you for your time. I know you squeezed me into a small fragment of your day today. So thank you so much, Ali. Guys, check out series. Donate if you can. Get involved. Get those companies involved. I will talk to you later. I'm Wendy Nystrom, your host with Environmental Social Justice. You guys have a great day. Bye bye.